0: grumpy old geeks a weekly talk show hosted by brian schulmeister and jason de filippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame
1: welcome to grumpy old geeks i'm jason de filippo here with my co-host i'm brian schulmeister how are you doing jason i'm doing okay it's a little late here uh...
2: it's late uh, i have a glass of wine um I, I didn't even know this was theoretically possible, but then again, we do live in a third world nation again. I had no power all day long because the power company just decided uh, we're going to fix some things, so we're going to shut you down.
1: Well, isn't that because you had that whole thing blow like not too long ago that blew out all your power outlets and stuff? Well, one would assume,
2: but uh, uh, I thought they hope. fixed it. Well, I thought they fixed it that time. I had already lost power for a day, two days then. So, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, good times. Woohoo, grid.
1: Yeah, I have three Modelo Especiales left from watching the, the Cubs game yesterday out of my six-pack.
2: Right. All right, congratulations, Jason. So, your
1: sports your sports ball team won. They did, they did. And here's something that's interesting. This is a, an interesting side effect of what happened after they won mm-hmm. and watching 21 hours of baseball over the past couple of days. I started to get really annoyed at the condescending people who were making fun of sports ball on Twitter. I'm like... right that's how i felt about you i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> sports there's fun uh, sean bonner was
2: killing me with that because he was just being blah, blah 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 i'm like dude if you get into it it's actually fun it, he, it's, yeah it's, it's it's interesting to watch you pick your team you get into it. it
1: it's social it's better than sitting at home tweeting i actually his tweets were the ones that made me just close facebook and sarah uh, twitter and just <laughs> say fuck it i'm going to bed it was yeah
2: what well, one thing I like about sports, unless you're certain people like Norm McDonald who live tweets golf games, um, <laughs> but in general, people don't live tweet sporting events because it's not cool to do that. Uh, sports are fun. Fine. Pick a team, Jason. Get into it next year. It's a good time.
1: Yeah. And I found myself like by the time I was done, it was like, you know, a 21 hour uh, just re indoctrination of the game. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, the strategy and the shift and all this other stuff that I'd totally forgotten about. And it's all this, you know interesting strategy that goes into it i was just like oh this is actually kind of fun it is kind of more chess than you think
2: yeah there's a lot involved and i mean don't get you know too carried away because that that final game is that's a game for the ages most of them are not that damn exciting oh god no 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 i was a damn exciting game
1: i was talking about the rest of them but yeah that was the (laughs) the single best baseball game probably ever played in my lifetime so (laughs) it's all downhill from here so maybe i'll just go to soccer
2: (laughs) yeah hey you know you got the uh, European Cup this summer. You got World Cup starting up in two years. You got qualifiers happening already. USA is playing Mexico. Big game coming up this weekend. Good times, Jason. I'm going to get you into this.
1: Yeah, now I just got to pay for cable.
2: <laughs> oh, well, there's that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I see in the show notes that it says talk a little bit about who we are and why we're here for the show for a minute or two. And uh, our show has absolutely nothing to do with sports, which is what we spent the first five minutes talking
1: about. Yes, that's true. That is true. This is not a sports show. Um <laughs> I it dawned, I mean, we haven't actually introduced ourselves to the audience for quite some time, like over 100 episodes, I believe. So hi, my name's Jason. I'm an ex-web developer for 22 years.
2: No, I'm Brian Schulmeister. I'm sadly still a web developer for 22 years. That's pretty much us in a nutshell. <laughs> there you go. Now, we're, we've got a lot of experience in the field. Uh, Jason has transitioned to become a full-time podcaster slash media entrepreneur. Uh, I am still one foot in the Weber Dever, which is now more like social media marketing uh, thing. Um, I'm music industry, Jason's more movie industry. Uh, we're both grumpy. Uh, we're both tech savvy, and we both think that everything's gone horribly wrong.
1: Yes, Uh, my my area (laughs) of expertise was mostly back end. And I think I've done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've done a couple hundred websites easily. If I lost count a very long time ago. But yes, I was mostly movie focused movie marketing and uh, then went to San Francisco and became one of those startup douches for a couple of years and finally have gotten out of it. Thank bejeebus.
2: Yep. And I'm kind of in that transitionary period where I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I just had a kid. So I'm basically on daddy daycare, paternity leave. So I've got some time to figure it out.
1: Yes. Take your time and do it right and get the hell out as fast as you can. But, <laughs>
2: well, hey, I'm doing a podcast uh, 184
1: episodes in. And hey, there's a tiny trickle of money coming in from this now. A tiny trickle. But yes. uh, <laughs> so d- we found a video this week from Prince I, I guess that's... Yeah, it's Prince I. Prince E. It sounds like somebody on uh, what's what's the the Californians. <laughs> I'm Prince. ei <laughs> uh, said so got 18 million views on it, and it's called yep. "Can We Auto Correct Humanity." Yep. Um, it, if you want to know what this show has kind of been about in a nutshell, a lot of what we talk about can be summed up in this video, but not as uh, poetry laden. <laughs> it's more <Yeah>. expletive laden than <laughs>
2: yeah. Our our version of this is less a uh, smooth jam freestyle, more punk rock we do not have popped collars either. No, no we do not pop our collars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But it was a great video. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I love the fact that it's seen 18 million views so far. And yeah, this really does kind of encapsulate our grumpiness about uh, what has happened to us with our technology. Because you know, we came in, in the wild, wild west and we actually thought this stuff would make a difference. It did. Not in the way that we had hoped.
1: <laughs> that's true. And uh, forget the irony that it's a video about unplugging, and it's on YouTube, that's been viewed 18 million times.
2: <laughs> and you've just learned about it from a podcast.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Which you so, may
2: have found out about from us tweeting. <laughs>
1: so now that you know a little bit about us we need to know a little bit about you Uh, we have a very fast seven question user survey takes less than seven seconds it's at grumpy slash survey we would really appreciate it if you would just pop over fill it out and it will make our lives so much easier when people ask us who the hell listens to your show because we have no idea
2: yeah, it will help. We, uh, as, as we've said, we are starting to hope to make a little bit of income from here, and it helps to be able to tell people uh, a little thing or two about the folks that listen, which is you guys, and it means the ads will be less annoying because it might actually have something of interest to you, of which we also try to tell you about anyways throughout the show for free. Yes. <laughs> so it'd be nice if we got a couple ducats every now and then for telling you about the same stuff that we tell you about for free.
1: Absolutely. All right, so go fill that out, pretty please, with sugar on top. Now, moving on. In the news. Right out of the gate, we have a a story that we've kind of talked about. This comes back to the sports ball that we kind of talked about a little bit at the beginning of the show. And remember, kids, this isn't a sports ball show. Uh, No,
2: sports ball is just the subject. It is not the actual or actually, it's just a bit player in the story.
1: Yes. AT&T and DirecTV colluded in an illegal plot that kept Dodgers games off the air, alleges a DOJ lawsuit. Oh, doggy. Oh, doggy.
2: The sports ball component of this being I have complained for three years now uh, that I cannot go out to a bar to watch a goddamn Dodgers game. They're my team. I like them. I like sitting in a bar and having a beer and watching their games. I cannot do that because the only thing, the only place that carries them is Time Warner Cable, now Spectrum because things are changing, which they're not. Uh, and this is basically, basically, now we find out that there were, uh, this they, we could have had Dodgers games on on everyone, uh, everywhere. DirecTV is what every bar has because the NFL packages and things like that. Uh, I could have been watching for three years, but DirecTV decided to collude with other people to try to get the price down, which it never did, so then they never bought it. If you think for a second that the invisible Adam Smith's invisible hand is doing what it promises to do and there's a free marketplace out there and you're not getting fucked by people fuck you read the story
1: <laughs> there you have it in a nutshell
2: <laughs> yeah what a load of shit I mean this really does piss me off I mean this is proof positive that this whole idea of of just the market will sort itself out and it, it gives us a, you know, better options better pricing better whatever
1: that's not how it works in the real world the market screws you that's what it does Pretty much, yes. And speaking of getting screwed and cable, and since I'm, I'm quote unquote technically kind of a cord cutter, kind uh, of, kind of um, cable prices have risen at more than double the rate of inflation for 20 years. Ugh. Yeah, now, I,
2: I, I'm of two minds on this, though, because ca- what cable TV provides to us is a thousand times more than what it did 20 years ago as well.
1: Yes, but is that a good thing? How many times have you turned on Telemundo besides watching a little bit of uh, soccer here and there?
2: Actually, that's the wrong channel to pick because quite often.
1: <laughs> that's what you're watching.
2: <laughs> Goal! Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, it shouldn't have risen that much, but I do also see the side of it in that you are getting a thousand times more than what you were getting uh, 20 years ago. You know, So I see the price increase somewhat commensurate with the Extra services being being given to you by them as well. It's not to me. It's not an apples to apples thing. This is an apples to oranges.
1: Yes, but also remember that there is the 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 non invisible hand of the fisting marketplace going on behind the scenes because you're paying for ESPN, whether you want it or not in all the bundling that goes along with it. But uh, that seems to be on the wane at this point.
2: well, yes, but no. What we're, I mean, we've talked about this a couple times, and we had a few stories last week that basically said that, you know, they, they, these these people have cottoned on to the whole unbundling thing and, and the cutting the cord thing and are now making it more, harder and harder and more and more expensive. Um, cutting the cord is not as cheap as it used to be as they've started to raise individual prices on apps and things like that. And once again, all you people are doing, I, I, I come from the music industry. That's my background if you just started listening to this. All you are doing is, is you're metallicking. In, in, this thing, <laughs> and you were driving people to go to Sweden to get your stuff.
1: This is this is true in some ways. Um, I did find a new package this week for my cable provider that lets me just do apps for local channels and HBO, and it's cheaper than the HBO app. They're actually undercutting HBO for app access, which I thought was very interesting.
2: That is interesting. I'd like to see the uh, I'd like to see the
1: legal on that deal. Yeah, no doubt about it.
2: All right, so let's stop complaining for two seconds. Well, actually, let's complain, but let's complain about something. That have you heard matter. our
1: show before? That's all we do. Uh,
2: I know. Uh, Apple has once again messed with our emojis and particularly our sexting emojis. First, they got well, the, unless you're really weird. This one didn't apply to sexting, but first they got rid of the regular gun and had to replace it with a toy gun because God forbid we can't have an emoji of a gun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but now they've taken away our beloved peach that looked like a butt, and now it's just a peach.
1: Have they removed the eggplant yet?
2: No, the eggplant will always be there.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> there's one last bastion of of uh, emoji well, porn.
2: Yeah, well, to be fair, I think they've added more phallic ones. We've got a burrito now. I suppose technically the taco could be the female version.
1: I, th- I was going to say you got to go with the taco on that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, got to go with the taco. The perfect taco.
1: All I've, right. I've so, never used the peach emoji for butt, but uh, now I and I'm now I'm kind of sad that I never got to use it. Well, well I think you've still got until you, unless you've updated already. Yeah, you know me. Um, yeah, that peach is that peach butt has flown. <laughs> the butt has left the building. Story of my life. <laughs> Story of your life, geez. Um
2: Now, one thing that you and I haven't done for a very long time is we have uh, not worked for companies. We have been independent contractors, and uh, much to our dismay, half the time. Um, yeah. But when I read this story, I was really happy that I haven't been working for a company for a long time. Uh, This is called I Heart My Beloved Employer. Companies (laughs) are turning to employees to promote them on social media. And I railed about this probably 100 episodes ago, the last time that we introduced ourselves, uh, because I had a group of like four or five friends that all got new jobs right at the same time. And all of a sudden, all their social media became bullshit posts about their stupid new job. Like, I give a crap. Yeah, because I, I guess none of us
0: do.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So that is uh, I guess now it's not just a kind of like, boy, it'd be great if you did this. It's like you need to do this. We expect to see five to ten tweets per week.
1: But at least they're getting some extra cash on the side for it. It's not just you have to toe the party line. And uh, now
2: that's how it always starts. And then it becomes, well, you didn't do it. So you're fired.
1: Yeah, it's part of it's part of your review. Once you do, they look at your review sheet and they're like, hmm, you've only had four point two tweets per week. We don't. Huh. We, the company does not approve. Management does not approve of your tweeting patterns. Uh, you may you may you may uh, pack up your things and move along. Yeah. Go get a job with Twitter. Nobody there tweets. <laughs> There's nobody there to tweet anymore after the layoffs. <laughs> that,
2: that is so true. Uh, Instagram is trying to finally solve some of their problems. I, we've heard from you know day one Instagram being a purely visual type social network in case you're not on it, which means you might be young and you've already left it because it's only old people on Instagram these days. Uh, But we've all heard a lot of stories about how it's kind of like really brought a lot of, um, different fashion companies that never really existed before have done very, very well on Instagram. And in a rare... Well, <laughs> we'll give you the cautionary lesson, fashion people right now. They <laughs> will take this away from you, and they will screw you at some point, because we've seen Facebook kill people and businesses that way time and time again. Right now, they're in the process, though, of making it easier for you, so you are suckered more and more into them. Uh, they're finally adding... Well, for for select people, they're starting rolling this out, um, the ability to basically... do an image map on your instagram
1: (laughs) an image it's pretty much an image map
2: yeah (laughs) kind of what we were coding back in 1994 uh, an image map on your posts which will allow uh, direct clicks to your store to be able to sell things rather than the complete inability to link to anything as instagram has been since day one so
1: yeah and this is only like 21 companies that are in the beta program and it's a very limited beta at this point so don't expect to see it for a bit Um, the fact that you can't buy directly from the Instagram app, you have to, well, it's kind of a web view in the app that pops you either to a webpage for the product or it'll actually bounce you to another app to, to then buy it.
2: Well, there's a lot of stuff to sort out there, right? Like a lot of rights and who's going to do what and who you have to be on and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be a mess. I mean, all you really need to do is add links into your commenting area. Let those links
1: work. Not not going to happen. Not
2: going to ever happen. Not in a million years. That's one of the
1: nicest things about Instagram is the fact that you get one link and one link only. (laughs) That's (laughs) it. There could be only one. Yes, indeed. So uh, Airbnb, one of our favorite companies uh, in the world. (laughs) Um, You've never listened to the show before.
2: Here's my opinion of Airbnb. Fuck you. (laughs) That's Brian's opinion on most
1: of everything. <laughs> uh, but I I second that this week because Airbnb has rolled out the community commitment. This oh, is, really? Yes. Here it is. Mm-hmm. I agree to treat everyone in the Airbnb community, regardless okay. of their race, religion, national origin, ethnicity, mm-hmm. disability, sex, mm-hmm. gender identity, sexual mm-hmm. orientation, or age, with respect mm-hmm. and without judgment or bias.
2: Hey, Airbnb. I live in Santa Monica. I own property in Santa Monica. You are not respecting me at all when you don't pay Santa Monica taxes. So fuck you.
1: Well, they didn't say anything about that in the, in the community. I'm in commitment. the
2: I'm I in the Airbnb community. Goddammit,
1: respect my authority. Well, you're not part of the community because you're not either renting from them or renting out your your apartment. So to uh, yeah. to you, they say piss off, Brian. We don't care. The so this that-
2: is this is a nothing statement, right? I mean, this is just this is what everybody's supposed to be like
1: anyways this this, <laughs> this is bullshit forced civility that means absolutely nothing because what they're doing well, is they're twisting they're, your arm no 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 let me finish let me okay, finish yeah, yeah, yeah. by all means uh so if you do not sign this well this is went uh, active november 1st and if you do not agree to the community commitment you're out you cannot rent a place uh on airbnb and you cannot rent your place on airbnb you are cut off from the community whatsoever gone poof out. And what we found, of course, on the internet, that everybody tells the truth and if you check a box, you're always over 18 and you can always go see the boobies legally and you're always going to be nice to everybody by agreeing to this bullshit community commitment.
2: Yeah, I mean this is dumb. I but I, you know, they had to throw this in because a bunch of, you know, a couple white people got pissed off about renting to a couple people that weren't white, right? So more than likely, likely. Now you have to have no. There were a few stories. I just I, I, oh. sometimes it gets tiring putting in Airbnb as shit stories. So you know, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, we, you
1: know sometimes <laughs> we have an embargo on Airbnb and Uber. Well, stories. you know,
2: yeah, there's only so many Uber and Airbnb or crap stories we can put in every week. So, um, so that has happened. So of course this is what they have to do now. Now I, I don't do Airbnb. Do you always
1: see the people that you're renting from? I've it's only done it once, and I have, but that was that weird experience where... Yeah, uh,
2: where you basically ended up in, like, a gay orgy.
1: No, well, no. you didn't. you didn't end up... <laughs> wasn't <laughs> that weird, but it was definitely weird, because there were people in and out of the place that we rented all night long, and it was very, very strange, and, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where the guy wasn't supposed to be renting his place, but... Yeah. Uh, and it was in this uh, weird community high-rise on Michigan Avenue... And there were other people in the building that would just come and go and we're just like, oh, yeah, we have between the three of us. We had, you know, maybe fifteen thousand dollars worth of camera gear there that we couldn't even leave behind because we didn't know who the hell was coming and going.
2: Yep. Well, you know, get a hotel.
1: Yeah, there was the uh, maybe there was a room don't steal my shit commitment from airbnb then we, maybe we would be we'd feel better about it but that didn't exist back then i can i can go in there and be trans whatever but uh, that doesn't mean nobody's going to steal my nikon
2: yeah all right so now let's crap on google okay uh we have followed google fiber on the show for quite a while we were quite pleased about this we were interested in it uh they were going to basically google fiber was going to bring high speed internet access all over the country, installing new fiber optic networks, basically getting our third world infrastructure up to the par of, say, places like, I don't know, Hong Kong or all the other places that have much, much faster internet service than we Botswana. do. Botswana. Yeah, but <laughs> any place that gets the Google balloons, I don't know. Uh, so this was going to come and it was sounds like it was going to be awesome. And they basically started off with a lot of East Coast cities. Um, you had heard from somebody that the speed was just
1: phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. No, the, the speed is phenomenal and we did cover this a couple weeks ago when they started to roll this back because yeah. they're they're moving from cuz fiber optic is exorbitantly expensive to put in. And Mm. the new Wi-Fi standards that are coming out, they're so much cheaper. And then you don't have to lay any pipe. So they were they they pulled back from this a little bit ago. But now they're really going after it. And they the head of the program is even gone now.
2: Well, when the head of the program steps down, it's basically a dead program. So it's pretty much gone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we'll see, uh, you know, Google Wi-Fi coming to to a place near you soon, because that's what they were looking at replacing it with their Google 5G
2: Fine with me as long as it's fast. Get something in there, people.
1: Well, I don't even know if they can do five G because there's no five in the alphabet, and uh, they they're oh, going right. to they're gonna have yeah. to buy a number pad for alphabet before they can move into five G. They might
2: have to reshuffle their entire corporate structure with a new company of which App, uh, alphabet is only a part
1: of. Yes, it'll be called Number or Numlock. That'll be the new <laughs> the new company. QWERTY. Welcome to NumLock. just go with it. Should go with Qwerty.
2: Yeah. Um, Uber is going to partner with GM. Uh, and get a car rental program going for drivers, which I we ca- we talked about this a while ago. It it skated on indentured servitude to me.
1: It didn't skate. That's what we called it. <laughs> no, I was okay. like, okay, here, here's a couple hundred. Here's a car. Give us a couple hundred dollars a week first, and then when you're done with that, mm-hmm. then you can go make some money for yourself. Yeah. So, uh, the interesting thing about this story is that GM is an investor in Lyft. For five hundred the tune of five hundred million dollars. So with them partnering with Uber, it's like are they hedging their bets? Or is, Yeah, that
2: feels weird.
1: Yeah. Like- very I, don't, weird. I don't get it. Why, do you, why would you
2: invest in one company and then go into business with the basically competitor? It, it makes no sense at all. But this entire program makes no sense. You have to be a moron to sign up for this.
1: Well, there's some people that are just broke and they're grasping at straws who don't have a job and think, hey, you know, I see the thing where they're making $100,000 a year driving Uber. What's 215 or 180 bucks a week? Yeah, uh, I can make that oh. back in a day. Let's do the math on that. Then people. profit. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing as it was last time, but now they're just going with GM. And it's a small 90 day trial in San Francisco. We'll see how Uh, that by the way.
2: Yeah, if you live in San Francisco, if you can afford to live in San Francisco, you're not doing this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are definitely you're probably living in Oakland and then taking BART into San Francisco to pick up your rental car and then driving around.
2: Exactly. Uh, So Jason and I are both recent converts to the uh, Amazon Echo. Uh, which uh, if you get involved in certain levels uh, heavily relies on if this then that programming um, and IFTTT has been around for a while and Microsoft has finally launched their own alternative or basically it has been around for a bit. But now it's open to everyone and it's called Microsoft Flow. <laughs> you can only use it once a month for about a few four days. <laughs> Jason will always go for those jokes.
1: <laughs> of course I
2: Jingle. will.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Uh, I have not looked at it yet. Um, generally, I would always just kind of ignore anything that Microsoft has released and kind of just laugh it off and not pay attention. But Microsoft's been hitting it out of the park recently.
1: Ah, so far, so good. And, uh, you know, I wonder if uh, Flo from Alice, you know, the Kiss My Grits lady is their spokesperson. That would be a good one. If oh. she's, Is she still even around?
2: I don't know. We'll have to Google that later.
1: Yeah. Let's see, maybe she's Abe Vigoted out by now. I, I,
2: guess we, I guess we should bang it. <laughs> Bing it.
1: Bing. Uh, they're only supporting 58 apps right now. Uh, next to if Ifts just uh, 366. <laughs> yeah. So, but they're more geared towards the enterprise, not Voyager, not DS9, the Enterprise.
2: So, yeah. But given our opinions on the IoT, the Internet of Things, I'd be more likely to use enterprise level anything in my house, anyways, because uh, that might at least have the ability to, I don't know, change a password.
1: Could be. But uh, if it doesn't support your hues or your whatever lights you got. Um, yeah. Yep. Then it doesn't really well, matter.
2: <laughs> it's all it's all VHS Betamax right now. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, that's true. I have yeah. not got into programming for my Echo yet because I don't have anything to to ift to.
2: Yeah, neither do I really. I have one programmable socket. That's about it. So
1: Don't talk about your wife that way. She is
2: far from programmable. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah. You and I use Slack uh, for this show. I also use Slack for two other clients now. Since you turned me on to it, I I enjoy it. It is for certain things better the be- probably the best business mu- method of communication. It certainly beats email. And I am trying to combine those. Everything's in one place. You can do a lot. Although uh, wait I have wait, to-
1: have you actually used IM
2: in like five years? Yeah, I actually still use IAM with like five people, which is shocking.
1: (laughs) Which which flavor do you use? Uh, I'm still using Adium. But I mean, who are you connecting to? What's the service you're connecting to?
2: Oh, they're still on, uh, I think, Microsoft and AOL.
1: I thought AOL shut down. I can't believe that's still around. No, no,
2: AOL still... Yahoo shut down. They shut down theirs. And Google Gtalk shut their... Well, whatever Google's used to be now goes through Google Talk, which is going through Hangouts. So it's a cluster f to try to connect to anyone.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's still around that's surprising? ICQ is still around. I know, but nobody uses it. Yeah. We should bring it back. No, I'd rather use, use IRC. Okay. Well, you know, Automatic uses IRC, so... Ah, there you go. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Slack uh,
2: is around. You and I have been using it. And again, uh, on the level of... We've we've had more Microsoft news this year alone than for years, right? Like, Microsoft is really making a concerted effort to get involved in new things like <laughs> we said there. Clarify they're that. Computer. We've had
1: good Microsoft news. Okay, good Microsoft news. Yeah, they're usually have. in our security segment where we crap on them every time. Uh, they're apparently
2: getting much better. So they are rolling out their own version of, of basically a Slack type thing, as Facebook has as well. I think Facebook is called Workplace. Um, I haven't looked at that one yet, and I haven't seen the Microsoft one yet either. I don't know what the... The Microsoft one hasn't even rolled out yet, but uh, Slack apparently decided instead of to ignore completely the fact that facebook is trying to take over the space and did this really bizarre poorly thought out pr move to take out an entire page in the new york times with a smarmy kind of jerk asshole post about to microsoft an open letter basically to microsoft okay okay Did you read
1: it? (laughs) No, I did not read it. Can you sum it up?
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's just uh, let's just uh, I'll just sum it up with one quote at the end. Uh, For its big conclusion, Slack declares that the secret ingredient that they made that Microsoft will never understand in great enterprise software is love. (laughs) Okay. it's a fucking stupid ass letter. Okay, I was just just it's where it's it's you.
1: Yeah. Here. You, you you look at it and you go, "What the fuck were you people thinking?" I I'll give you a little secret here, and yep. I I don't know if this is actually true, but I'm going in my mind it's going to be true. Okay. Slack uh, Slack was Slack is founded by Stuart Butterfield, who came from Flickr. He was one yep. of the co founders of Flickr. Yes. And uh, he's kind of a dick, you know. Well.
2: Yeah, I used to I,
1: I knew him shock. back in the day and he's kind of a dick. So yeah. this does not surprise me in one bit whatsoever.
2: Oh, it's going to be called Microsoft Teams. So there you go. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is hilarious. I mean, this is just really, really funny. So I I, I enjoy the letter. Uh, you should we have the article to The Verge that talks about it linked in our show notes, which also goes on to briefly discuss the eye roll let, open letter that RDO wrote to Apple. Uh, which was also fantastic.
1: Except who laughed last on that one?
2: <laughs> How you doing, Rdio? How's that going
1: for you? Uh, next, next year, look for Microsoft Slack.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Anyways, uh, there is, uh, right after the iPhone 7 has come out, un- unsurprisingly, there's a lot of rumors already about the iPhone 8. But apparently, this time around, it's a game changer.
1: Well, this comes from Scoble, so I'm not, I'm not going to jump out and go put my money down on the, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they're saying it's got all sorts of handy dandy features coming to it, but, uh, uh, it's, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Yeah,
2: I I don't see all of these things just happening in one year. Uh, There's no way. We would have seen versions of uh, the uh, come on holograms on top of the real world, a next generation 3D sensor, batteries and antennas hitting around the edges of the screen, a headset with eye sensors, next generation OLED screen. Come on. Give me a break. uh, There's no way all of this stuff is coming in the next phone.
1: Yeah. um Yeah. you know what, Scoble? Uh, send me a picture of you with it in the shower, like you did the Google Glass, and maybe I'll believe you. But at let's this point, not
2: recreate that sad moment in tech history.
1: <laughs> I know. I can't believe he still got a job after that. And yeah, and, and honestly, look, I, I Roberts a nice guy. I, I knew him. I've known him for yeah. twenty years, ten years, or something like that. But he's a nice guy. He means well. But uh, sometimes he can k- kind of go astray. <laughs> Yeah, Here, yeah. Here's the thing: don't drink in glass, people. Don't drink in glass. <laughs>
2: uh, and the Obama administration has allocated 2.2 2 million dollars to teach former coal workers to fly drones. Hey, Obama, how about this former web developer?
1: I was gonna say, uh, can I get uh, can I get some money for podcasters to learn how to fly drones? Because I'm in. How,
2: how about we start with some people that are in the tech world that
1: are struggling to make a living these days? And this <laughs> this whole this whole thing uh, is going to train 64 people. That's to, a lot of you. You could basically just divvy up that
2: money if you're living in, uh, sorry, to bumfuck South Virginia, Southwestern Virginia. Yeah, if you basically just divvied up that money amongst those people, they don't need to work again. Yeah.
1: I used to live there. I know.
2: <laughs> yeah, Jason's Jason's been there. That's yes. enough money to basically just not work ever again.
1: No, you can get your uh, get your moonshine on and don't need a drone for it. Yeah. Although, you know what? With the money that you make, you could go buy a drone learn to fly it in your backyard, and have the first moonshine drone delivery service in the United States.
2: Now that, that's an idea.
1: I'm thinking outside the box. I'm pivoting on this goddamn idea. That's what I'm doing here. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, And another (laughs) huge part of our show is we love Betteridge's Law of Headlines. Yes, we (laughs) do.
2: Any headline that ends in a question mark can be answered by the word No. And because online journalism is so shit, uh, I had to throw this one in the show notes because there was still some question at one point. But I knew, I knew what the chances were given the given the title of the headline. And this comes from sure. your beloved Slate. I know. Was a Trump server communicating with Russia? No, no. <laughs> so we're done.
1: Mm-hmm. The Intercept de- dedicated a metric shit ton of words to basically say it's an email spam server sending out. Uh, Emails for Trump's hotels, but I will say
2: I it's interesting purely in the fact that I have not seen in mainstream media such a deep dive on what DNS is, how mail servers work, et cetera, et cetera. Like, how can anybody be interested?
1: (laughs) No, it was ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why I put the TLDR in our show notes, because I'm like, (laughs) I'm not going to excerpt this motherfucker. (laughs) It's like, okay, Betteridge, thank you.
0: Security? Ha!
1: All right. So Brian had to go change some nappies. So we're going to sneak this mm. one in. I'm here with Dave <laughs> Bittner from the Cyberwire podcast. How's it going, Dave?
3: Oh, it's going pretty good. I have to admit, I'm fighting a bit of a cold this week. So uh, I have sort of a, a husky voice this week. But oh uh, we will soldier on and. And get through it. Hopefully, in the middle of this, I will not try to hawk up a lung or something like that, but, or, or uh,
1: jump into some Barry White. That would uh, we know. We know yeah. your penchant for singing on the show.
3: <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. We had fun on Halloween this year. If you haven't <laughs> checked out our Halloween show. It's worth it just for the amount of humiliation that I'm willing to bear uh, for the sake of the show. Welcome but, to uh, podcasting.
1: Anyway. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. All right, so Dave, you got your top three stories for the week for us. Top three stories for this week.
3: Uh, First story is about, um, well, Google, Adobe, and Microsoft. uh, Walk walk into into a bar. bar. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Google's threat analysis group uh, discovered some vulnerabilities in both Adobe Flash and Windows, um, which allowed some attacks uh, in Chrome. Um, Google has a standard policy where um, if there's an attack that is, um, there's an active attack that's being exploited in the wild, Google will wait seven days before releasing the releasing the information about the attack. If it's not something that's being used, they'll give you they'll give uh, you longer, uh, like up to sixty days. Um, but in this case, Google released the information. Um, <clears throat> Microsoft is none too happy about Google <laughs> releasing the information because Microsoft does not have a patch yet available to it. Now, well, actually, we just heard today that um, Microsoft is planning on having a patch available on Tuesday. Um, the other part about this story is that evidently the uh, Adobe did put a patch out and if you apply that uh, patch to Adobe Flash, again, why are you still using Flash? Yes. <laughs> if you apply uh, that, uh, that greatly reduces your vulnerability to the uh, to the Microsoft exploit. So, um, you know, the bottom line is um, update your Flash right away if you're still using it. Um, come Tuesday, there should be something for uh, windows where you can you can patch that but but i think it the interesting part of this that i wanted to discuss with you was this notion of you know whether or not google should be holding back on releasing a vulnerability like this for microsoft's sake or is it uh, better for them to put the pressure on for the users to uh to get a patch quicker i could see both sides to this argument
1: yeah we discussed this at length last i think it was uh last year before christmas when the when that happened originally um because Microsoft was really not uh, in the mood to be putting out a patch, and Google's like, uh, time's ticking. We're going to release this thing, because that was the 90-day one when there was no public exploit available, right. and this one where there is a public exploit, it's see, this, it, you can pick either side of this, because Google, they're being bullies, trying to twist Microsoft's arm to get a patch out, which is fine, I think, but if there is an unreasonable amount of time, because between when... The patch needs to come out and when Google's going to release the vulnerability, if Microsoft physically can't get a patch out in time, because A, maybe it might be too hard. Maybe it's going to take a while to figure out how to fix this thing, or it's out of their patch release cycle, then Google needs to like, you know, lay off a bit because what they've just done is given everybody a roadmap to this exploit. And as we know, not everybody updates at the same time. So all the people that are lagging behind are gonna or can possibly get burnt by it. So right. I think there's a give and take on that. And I do think it is a little bit irresponsible of Google to just say, hey, uh, we've, we're we going. We have our rules. We can't break our rules. Of course you can. You're at the fucking rules. You can break them. <laughs> there's, this is not this is not Moses coming down from the mount with the tablets. You wrote the rules. So change the rules if it's going to keep people safer. That's I mean, that's my side of it. Yeah, it seems to me like there could at least be some kind of an appeal
3: process where, you know, Google goes to Microsoft, they say, look, the clock is ticking, you got seven days, Microsoft says, we'll get back to you. And then they get back to them and they say, look, seven days isn't gonna, isn't gonna happen. But, uh, you know, would you believe 14? And then maybe Google could say, all right, that's reasonable. And, and away we go. You know, but uh, I I, I tend to agree with you that uh, being hard and fast on this um, really doesn't serve the community, uh, it doesn't serve the
1: customers. It really doesn't serve the customers because how about, you know, somebody uses that Microsoft exploit to hack your Google account. How about that? (laughs) You ever think of that?
3: Yeah. How about them apples? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Google. How about this? Don't be a bully. Try that. Try that slogan since the other one is obviously out the window, but yeah. (laughs) How do you really feel, Jason? (laughs) I just, you know, and well, if this was a government agency, it w- it might be different. If everybody had to play by the same rules and it was, you know, mandated by the government, well, that's a different story. This is a rival company, so therein lies a little bit more of the rub. So I want to see Microsoft open up the same type of organization on their side and start publishing Google exploits if they don't lay off.
3: So get into a little arms race between
1: the two. Yep, mutually assured <laughs> hacking, I guess. <laughs>
3: Everybody loses.
1: <clears throat> yeah, especially especially the people who like to use Windows. Uh, God help you.
3: All right, all right. Well, uh, moving on, our second uh, article this week is um, from Graham Cluley's website, Uh, And this is called Beware. This Android banking Trojan intercepts SMS messages and bypasses to SV. It may be targeting your your bank already. Um, uh, This is a, we put this in in here because this is uh, an active, uh, particularly uh, evil attack on Android devices. Um, This is a banking Trojan. So they're trying to to, uh, steal your stuff, steal your money. And it's hitting a lot of banks. It's uh, targeting Bank of America, American Express, Chase, Discover, and on and on and on, um,
1: all around the world. Um, who uh, who discovered this uh, this exploit in Android? Uh, da, 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 that's a oh, good question. It's an un, uh, it's basically an unpronounceable name. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Cristados of Avast. Yes. Well, he's explaining. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm just I'm just you know. A little bit of me is tickled here because this might just be exploit karma for Google.
3: <laughs> well, uh, we, yeah, so here's how you get it. Uh, so let, let's follow along here because this is uh, this is the usual thing. Ooh, hack by numbers. Upon, <laughs> upon, <laughs> upon downloading the malware, which usually disguises itself as adult video players found on third party websites. <laughs> ding Ding, ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well, there's your problem, <laughs>
3: right? Exactly. So, problem number one, behavioral. You have you have asked for this, um, but uh, it's it's clever. It asks for administrative privileges um, while it's hiding its own icon from the home screen. So, in the example they gave on clue on um, on Cluley's site, um, it looks like it's asking for administrative access for the Google Play service, which you know, a reasonable person might say, oh, well, yes, I I want that uh, because at the moment I'm what I'm really trying to do. And I'm really in a hurry because I really want to watch this porn. Yep. Right. <laughs> so so I'm going to of course, I'm going to grant permission. um, And with that, um, you know, they've got you. Um, but what's interesting, too, is that this thing can uh, once it's got your Android device uh, in its grips, um, it could intercept uh, SMS messages and, um, you know. Uh, bypass uh you know two factor to get in and uh get your stuff.
1: Well do you at least get to see some porn?
3: You know, I don't think you do. I think the insult to injury is that no there's there's no porn. Oh,
1: man, these hackers nowadays. I know. There is there's no, no happy there's no happy ending in hacking. <laughs> honor, oh,
3: Jason. <laughs> uh, I was going to say honor among thieves, but all right, we'll go with yours. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Uh, and then finally, this week, uh, a, f- a fun one this, uh, goes along with w- something we've talked about a lot. This is from Wired. Uh, the article is "This Evil Office Printer Hijacks Your Cell Phone Connection." Um, this is uh, a-, a researcher named Julian Oliver um, who built a-, a proof of concept printer, just a regular old off-the-shelf HP printer, but he put in a little extra hardware uh, that functions the same way as kind of uh, one of those Stingray devices. Um, Functions, where it um, you know looks for cell phones, intercepts them, um, and uh, can send text messages to them. Uh, what's fun about this is that if you reply to the text message, your your reply is then printed out on the printer. Nice. So that's kind of <laughs> so, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> and you know what this what this gentleman is doing is he's just trying to prove that devices that are Close by, you know, in, in your network, uh, mild-mannered devices that you don't think twice about, something like the, the friendly little printer that's sitting off in the corner, it's really easy for someone uh, with malintent to put a little extra hardware inside of that thing and basically own your cell phone. What's interesting to me about this is that it sort of points out what we've talked about before, which is the the weakness of some of the cellular protocols, where uh, I think we've talked about before in the show that it is the tower that does the negotiating for the security of the connection. So if the tower says, hey, let's encrypt all of this, the phone says, great, encryption is great. But if the tower says, hey, you know what, we're going to do all this in the clear, then the phone says, great, then the clear is great. So... <laughs> What this printer does is says, "Hey, you know what? We're going to connect in the clear, um, and uh, you know, away you go." So it's it's a proof of concept. You know, it works. Um, but to me, what it's really pointing out is that uh, there are some security holes in the uh, cellular uh, specifications.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think this guy might uh, have a good future at uh, Tailored Access Operations for the NSA.
0: That's <laughs> <'Cause> pretty <laughs> much kinda, their their thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs>
3: Get get something like this in Wired. I'd say that's a pretty good job application, a pretty good resume <laughs> to put out there, right? Yeah, he's probably getting offers. Um, <laughs> sure. And of course, you know, if anybody built one of these things for real, it would be very, very illegal and and uh, you know violate the Wiretap Act and all sorts of FCC regulations. So um, keep that in mind if you're uh, thinking about uh, making something like like this yourself.
1: Yep, definitely. So uh, I want to talk about two quick podcasts. Yep. Uh, Security Now, episode 584. You know, I've got a love-hate relationship with Steve Gibson. When he's right. right, he's really right. But I had to stop listening to the show a long time ago because there were a lot of times when he was really wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> I would just get really mad when I was driving. And it's it's not when he's talking about his area of expertise, uh, but when he's talking about anything that happens on the web and web applications. <laughs> Generally is where he really kind of uh, goes astray and has senior moments. But, oh, interesting. This week, since I was a web developer, like, you know, a back-end web developer, it was, mm-hmm. for me, it was, I'm just like, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> this is, now if you want to hack it, this is how you do it. But uh, we, we digress. Um, but this week on the show, uh, he and Leo were talking about some really unbelievably crafty exploits. And at the end of it, they both kind of like had their head in their hands going, yeah, you know what? We're, we're just kind of screwed. So I'm I'm glad that on episode 584 they finally come to a, come around to the way the grumpy old geeks have been treating security. <laughs> there's <laughs> you know, nothing you can do.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, but that that's an interesting point. I mean, I've I've been talking to. There's an interesting pushback on that in the security industry right now. There are a couple of companies who are trying to be sort of contrarian about it. They're, they describe it as being learned help, helplessness, learned helplessness, you know, where we all sort of throw our hands up and we say, oh, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and, you know, if you haven't been hacked, or if you don't think you haven't been hacked, it's just that you don't know you've been hacked and, and all those sorts of things. And while there is a lot of truth to that, um, there are companies now who are saying, you know, no, um, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, maybe if we can take a different approach to it. Um, you know, we can actually fight this stuff. Uh, That's an uphill battle, but um, it's just been interesting to me to hear this contrarian view. I don't know how much of it is marketing and PR stuff, you know, believe us and not the other guy, because everybody has something to sell. Um, But there's definitely been a trend in that notion in the past mm, few months, I'd say.
1: Yeah. Well, when the complexity of some of these hacks comes to light and it's just like, Oh, we've actually found holes in the architecture of how chips work that you can't patch because it's integral to how they work. Right, and then, then you really kind of are uh, up the creek without without a paddle.
3: No, I think it's a matter of scale. You know, it's like my, my wife and I—we uh, were talking about you know, sort of locking down our computers. You know, when our son became a teenager, and I was like, "Look, you know, honey, here's the thing: you know, we may be smarter than him, but we are not smarter than him and all of his friends." <laughs> Right. You know, he will crowdsource a solution. If he wants to get something on the Internet, he will crowdsource a solution. And I think it's similar with the bad guys versus the good guys. The good guys are so outnumbered. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, the stakes stakes are
1: better for the bad guys because there's so much money involved.
3: That's right. Yeah, that's right. The the good guys have to be right every single time. The bad guys only have
1: to be right once. Indeed. Um, And uh, the other podcast I started listening to is Risky.biz. This is a it's another cybersecurity podcast, but these guys go Mm -hmm. deep into the weeds. Uh, If you want to learn how some of these hacks are done uh, down to, you know, the nitty gritty level, check them out. It's uh, they've been around since 2007, got a ton of episodes. They're in the 400. So there's a lot to go back and listen to if you want.
3: Yeah, both both good shows. Definitely worth checking
1: out. Yep. All right. Brian is coming back with uh with fresh nappies, so uh we're gonna we're gonna call it a day here. <laughs> Smelling like a fresh baby wipe. Yep. Go take some NyQuil man and we'll talk to you next week. All right, good talking to you. At the library. Ooh. It's that time of year again, Brian. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. We're coming up on the holidays, so Every year about this time, I like to go back and re-listen to Lamb by Christopher Moore.
2: Uh, I, this is one of my, not one of, well, it's always hard to pick. Okay, top five books of all time, this is definitely up there.
1: Absolutely, we agree on this. We cover it every 50 or so <laughs> episodes coming yes. around on the year mark. Uh, yes, it is absolutely one of the best books ever written. Even uh, our friend Dave Bittner approves of it, has one of the best books ever written. And, uh, I like the. I've read the the paper version first on your recommendation, and then after that, I went and got the audio version because it's read by Fisher Stevens, who does an incredible job of reading this book. It is so much fun, and going back and listening to it again this week because I was sick. And if I did nod off in a Nyquil haze of oblivion and I missed a little bit, it didn't really matter because I've read it. uh, I think I've read this book at least uh, twelve or thirteen times.
2: Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a fantastic book. Um, if you're, if you're very
1: religious, you're
2: going to hate it. Uh, otherwise everybody else I think will hi- really highly enjoy this book.
1: So, I don't know. I've um, had religious friends read it and they thought it was hilarious. Uh,
2: if you, uh, I said highly religious. Like, okay. Uh, you don't have a sense of humor about They're it. not listening to um, this
1: show then. <laughs> let's
2: just say, you know, the subtitle is the gospel according to Biff child Christ childhood pal. Yes. Um, yes. And the sermon on the Mount. Well, there's some mounting. <laughs> That's all we're going to say.
1: It's good uh, stuff.
2: It's a good book. And uh, yeah, every year around this time, they roll out a different special edition. This one's very nice looking. Um, this is the old. This is it. actually
1: an old one. This is the old oh, yeah. special edition, yeah. but uh, it's the one that I recommend. It's the imitation leather one. It's the one I always give for a gift. Um, so yep. a lot of my friends have this book from my, uh, my Christmas giving. So if you're looking for a good Christmas gift for somebody with a really good sense of humor, there uh, yep. you go.
2: Yep, fantastic book. Can't uh, recommend it enough. Um, I oh, before also we, wait,
1: before we move on, though, when yes. is when do you think we're going to get a sequel? Because uh, I don't think, think we need going to. I think we need to use the power of this show to get Christopher Christopher Moore off of his ass and write the sequel that needs to be written because he's written sequels to every one of his other books except his best one. It's a little hard to write a sequel because there's a we definite we, end to the story. Ah, no, there's not. <laughs> Well, no, remember the end, but we're not going to spoil the ending for you. But there is a giant opening for a sequel. But
2: I, I, I actually I do not want a sequel to this. I think this exists in a perfect little bubble of okay. exactly what it is. So I, I you may spearhead that charge. I will not retweet.
1: Oh, you bastard. For all
2: that matters.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I also I got a, a gift. Uh, it's my and my wife's fifth anniversary uh, today, actually. And uh, she got me a cookbook, which I found somewhat ironic because that just means I have to do more work for her. <clears throat> but, it, <laughs> but it is Anthony Bourdain's uh, book. I'm We're huge fans of Anthony Bourdain here. We love his TV shows, uh, all of that sort of stuff. This is the Anthony Bourdain Appetites Cookbook cover art by Ralph Steadman. Uh, there is a Kindle version of this. Get the hardcover. It's beautifully shot, uh, beautiful photography, beautiful illustrations. Um, this is not your go-to day-to-day cookbook. Uh, this is Anthony Bourdain being Anthony Bourdain. It is hilarious to read. Um, you know, you're not going to be pulling this out to to cook all the time. You're going to pull it out just to look at it, how pretty it is, and you know, get the some basics on what you want to do. Um, I'm not going to step on it. Uh, I highly recommend that you go get this. Uh, link is in our show notes. Use our link. It gives us a couple bucks. Be nice. Um, the chapter on desserts worth the price of admission alone
1: yeah i heard about Uh, that i'm gonna go to the local bookstore which i have because (laughs) i have a bookstore and go pick it up this weekend
2: yeah it's fantastic and it is beautiful um he does no wrong in my opinion so it's good stuff
1: software apps and gadgets
2: Another thing that we do a lot on the show is we talk about our workflows for various things. I know Jason has completely changed his entire workflow for the doing the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast. Believe it or not, this actually takes work, people. I know it sounds like we're just fucking around, but uh, this actually involves <laughs> <laughs> this actually involves a significant amount of work. Uh, I still use Instapaper. Um when I find links throughout the week and uh, I'm in the middle of working or doing other projects, I have a nice little, you know, read later button in my bookmarks that I just hit. Boom, saves it to Instapaper. I go back later, then I drop it in the program that we actually use for our show notes, et cetera, et cetera. Now we've even added Reddit. I'm sure Jason will talk about that at great length again. Uh, but Instapaper has uh, been basically charging for monthly subscriptions for the premium service uh, for a while. They are getting rid of that. It is now a an ad-free Free service,
1: yeah, once Marco sold it to I uh, forget the company that's the company that owns dig now uh they mm-hmm. took it over, they kept monetizing it, adding on to it, making it better, and uh then charging and uh I switched to pinboard because i it's it's a like a one time fee or I think I'm grandfathered in on a one time fee either way it's it's kind of like delicious used to be, and yep. instapaper just i i there's a thing with instapaper where you keep adding articles and then you never read them. And then you get that anxiety of, oh, I got to read all of these. And then you just never do. And then you every, then you don't want to open Instapaper. So I, I dumped it years ago just for. See,
2: my my brain is not wired quite that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, see, I, uh, yeah.
2: I have a more rational thing where I don't, uh, you know, pin 70,000 articles in one sitting. And then I don't stress out about it. I pin like five and then I can just go look at them.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. We work differently. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, we do.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's free for now because uh, pinterest owns it and they have buckets of money until they don't and then pinterest yep. will get or uh, instapaper will get sold to somebody else and then the fees will come back so enjoy it while you can people yep. and another
2: thing that we say a lot of times on this show is uh okay you no, uh, you don't take money and you don't take ads and you're just going to do this for what and how's that going to work out for you oh and pinterest by the way your entire business model is built on built on stealing other people's intellectual property
1: how's that going to work out well, kind of Instapapers is kind of too, so they go hand in hand. Yes, uh, we're fans of One Password here, big time. Yes, we are. Uh, the CEO Jeff Shiner has posted a video that's kind of cool of uh, the new Touch Bar uh, integration with One Password for Touch ID, and yeah, it's not- I saw that.
2: It is neat. Again, we need the section Jason thinks
1: it's neat. It is. It's neat. Um, I'm not going to buy a Mac with a touch bar, so I don't know if I'll ever get to use it. But I like the way that you can uh, just touch different uh, vaults and switch between them. It's nice because I have multiple vaults for different jobs that I work on. So it's definitely pretty and (laughs)
2: neat. It is pretty and neat. And I will, again, 1Password uh, is the Grumpy Old Geeks de facto password. program that we use we both use it we both love it uh one of the reasons that we stick with it is they are the ones that evolve because there are a lot of competing programs that do the same sort of thing these guys are always kind of out there with with the new tech right there right away i'm noticing more and more one password integrations with mobile apps which is fantastic i mean it's just getting easier and easier all around the world so
1: yeah good on you yeah love you one password uh next up i have a physical game have you heard of werewolf the no,
2: game. i was about to say
1: we call that sex, Jason. No, 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 no. Um, I, I I still am a nerd, but uh, so forget <laughs> that. Um, Werewolf is one of those fun games that you can play with other nerds that sometimes might need, lead to sex if you're really good at it. I suck at it, so never got never uh, got laid sex by playing or the Werewolf. Game. Uh the game. Oh, okay. So uh, this guy, Corey Fields, had a great Kickstarter ages ago. I think we covered it on the show a long time ago.
2: We did. We did. They're they are absolutely beautiful. This is totally not my thing. If it were, I would have ordered it in two seconds. They're they're gorgeously illustrated.
1: Yeah, I have a I have a deck here, so I I, I bought like five of these last time and gave them out as gifts, and everybody loves them. Everybody that plays werewolf thinks they're the best deck that you can get. And he's got a second edition out now with new backs on them. They're they're beautiful. And uh, I highly recommend it for stocking stuffers for friends, because I'm actually going to go buy a couple more packs and send them out this year, because they are absolutely gorgeous. Well designed, unbelievable, really nice work. So I've got an updated review for Pizzizz. That's what my son
2: does every five hours.
1: (laughs) Right in your face. (laughs) Hi, Dad, (laughs) Pizzizz.
2: It's amazing how they know how to do that. something (laughs) about
1: being free. (laughs) Uh, nothing like it. Um, so I talked about it on the show before and kind of gave it a negative review for
2: they wrote you.
1: Yes, they did. Um, and I was a little bit confused about what the quote unquote dreamscapes were. I thought they were different graphics that they played while you were possessing. It's not, it's the actual music behind it. It's the music beds. So they, they use the subscription money to, uh, do new music beds every month and other things like paying salaries and things like that. Oh, so it's
2: like when I go pizziz at Finn McCool's there's Irish music playing in the
1: background. Yes. Uh okay. so I am I'm I'm on the fence about this still. I I've gotten to the point now where I put it into my calendar to take a a nap every day. Take a piziz. I take a pizziz every day. Mm. Uh, at least a 15 to 30 minute pizziz and I, I love it. I've always loved it. I've raved about it my for years. God um, man, aren't you dehydrated? Uh, I know, tell me about it. I need some salt and some Gatorade. I need electrolytes. <laughs> Uh, i still abhor the subscription model for this i do not like it i would like one-time fees with upgrade fees when they update the the product but yes please
2: software developers come on it's just stupid
1: yeah the free version of this still has a enough in it that it's great but it's the free version is what i used to pay for so Mm -hmm. you're welcome people that uh, i paid for your free version um, I I still don't like the business model, but I do like all the new dreamscapes, as it were, because it it kind of changes up your nap. You get a new song all the time, and it used to auto generate the songs. I don't know what the the story is now, but they're really nice, and it's it's a nice change. So if you're into it, definitely go get the free version if you like to nap, because I still I, I love the app. I just hate the business model.
0: Media candy.
2: I can't believe you didn't put this in the show notes, Jason, because I love this movie, but I know you love it even more. Uh, Train Spotting 2, official trailer number one, is out.
1: I didn't know it was out. I've been sick this week, so I'm kind of behind on my, my trolling of the internet. But I am really glad you put it in because I got shivers watching this.
2: I was not at all excited about there being a sequel to this when it was announced. Uh, the teaser trailers did nothing for me. This trailer is fucking awesome.
1: It's unfucking believable I actually stopped watching it about halfway through because mm-hmm. it was giving away too much of the movie. I'm just like, no, I, I'm not watching anymore.
2: Oh, come on. It's, uh, the movie's not really about the plot. The plot I doesn't know. matter. And I've read the book that it's loosely based on anyways because the guy wrote a sequel to it. Wasn't um, it a
1: comic book, though? No. Oh, that's Fight Club know. 2. I'm sorry. Fight Club 2 yes, is the yes, comic yes. book
2: sequel. <laughs> this is a uh, Welsh, and I can't remember what the t- t- glue. No, I can't remember what the title was. I read it a long time ago. It's a, again, if you want to try to read these books, be prepared to decipher Scottish Brogue oh, yes. in written form, which is a nightmare. But, uh, uh, drink a lot, and <laughs> you yeah, might drink, be able drink, to do it. Have some whiskey first, and it might read a lot better. But, this looks uh, so good. Yeah. I this can't trailer wait. looks happy. It looks fantastic. It opens up uh, with Underworld, you know, in the background playing again from the original, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, It, it, I mean, updated the story to the current age. I mean, they're name checking social media as the new drug. It's fantastic. Yep. But
1: there's still
0: drugs
2: involved.
1: There's even boobs in the trailer. Nice. uh, Well, it's a Red Band trailer. Oh, okay. I didn't see that when I when I started playing it. Yeah. Glad my kids weren't in the room. Oh, wait, I don't have any. Fuck it. And my kid right now, when he sees boob, just thinks lunch. Yeah. Mm, Snack time.
2: Pretty much so. Yeah. And uh, just another note, because we actually didn't have much else in media this week. Uh, I just wanted to make note of the fact that something, you know, as this is a brief blip on the horizon, because I'm sure it'll crash and burn. Vimeo is planning to launch their own subscription streaming service.
1: Oh, what could go wrong with that?
2: They're going up against the already established Netflix and Amazon and Hulu with the launch of its own subscription streaming service. But as they're pointing out, they're not trying to get the billions. They're only trying to get the hundreds of thousands. Uh, they are going for the smaller audiences, more interested in cult following type things. So the cerebral stuff, not the stupid shit that you people <laughs> like.
1: You know what that means? It means they don't have money to pay for content. So it's going to be a, like a B-movie dumpster fire.
2: That is exactly what that means. It means they have no money, they can't compete, and we're going to take the cheap shit that we can buy. We're taking the low-hanging fruit. Speaking of which, Vimeo, we're available.
1: <laughs> no doubt. Give us a camera. We're in.
0: We're on of the week.
2: We made a solemn proclamation to not discuss a certain story anymore on the show, which just means that, of course, we're talking about it again next week. Uh, <laughs> But on the plus side, we moved it down to moron of the week. It's not in the news anymore. People are not returning their Galaxy Note 7s, uh, the <laughs> ones that blow up on planes, the ones that, uh, you know, can kill you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they're, they're not returning them. So Samsung is creating another incentive. Well, I guess a decentive Um To make the flawed phones perform even worse, they have released a new software update that will limit the battery charge to 60% of its full capacity. Uh, My thought on this being, if you're such a moron that you haven't even noticed that this thing's going to blow up on you,
1: do you think you do software updates? This is true. Uh, The only thing that could make this story better is if Kanye still had one. Oh, God, I wish that one would blow up. Oh, the, the show would implode on itself at that point yes that's true kanye is the uh,
2: patron saint of this this segment yes he is <laughs>
1: we should always actually more out of the week brought to you by kanye west indeed um you know what putin's yeah. not such a bad guy i really i'm i'm pretty okay with putin right now because he has now made steven seagal a citizen of russia awesome you can have him can you take Trump too? But yes, uh, Steven Seagal is now a citizen, a, a Russian citizen, because uh he and Putin they uh, nerd out on martial arts, which I Steven don't think. Seagal,
2: I mean, he's certifiably insane, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah,
1: okay. yeah.
2: take yeah. him by all means. Enjoy, enjoy your Seagal. <sighs>
1: uh, we've, we, yeah, we we here in the U.S. hit peak Seagal in the late '80s or early '90s when his fourth. <laughs> A uh, movie with three words in it came out. Uh. By the way, Peak Segal is now our show title. Okay, <laughs>
2: I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Uh, well, uh, to not get terribly political, but to try to somewhat connect these stories. Um, yeah, Putin and Trump sitting in a tree, all that sort of thing. Uh, normally, I am beyond. I, there's no doubt about who I'm voting for. I, I'm with her, et cetera, et cetera. Except for the fact. <sighs> I have to seriously consider voting for Trump now because uh, after Clinton was here on a short trip over, um, they went and got In-N-Out burger. Okay, like you would, because In-N-Out is clearly a superior burger; it yes. is better than any burger. Uh, but apparently, uh, the let's see, what was his name again? Who is this man that I cannot stand? Dennis Green. Dennis Green, who is the uh, pretty high up in the campaign, has basically said we should be embarrassed about how much we hype up In-N-Out Burger here in California.
1: You know what? Screw you. Yes, fuck you, Dennis Green. And
0: you yes, say it-
2: Shake Shack is better than In-N-Out? What? Oh. Are you fucking kidding me? I do
1: not want this man in government. I'm no, going. So- I'm voting for Johnson now. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm going to go with the Aleppo guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, no. Cal- yes, In-N-Out Burger is not gourmet, but in the under $7 burger category...
2: It is the best under seven dollar burger you could ever get.
1: Yes, because you know there's always Umami Burger, which is overhyped but still that delicious. But well, Umami is nine dollars. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I yeah, think it's yeah. twelve actually. But
2: uh, I think yeah, probably twelve. Uh, there's so Anyways, many good burgers this in just, LA. It's just wrong. Yes,
1: it's wrong, wrong, wrongy McWrongenstein, wrongy McWrong Burger. Even Anthony Bourdain,
2: who is a award winning chef who has TV shows about cooking and about food, unlike you, Mister Political Guy, basically. As soon as he lands at LAX, he goes straight to in and out So shut the F up.
0: Ooh, fancy! Fancy! Ooh, fancy!
2: Ever since the West Wing episode in which they, uh, I think it was called the big block of cheese or something like that. It was the episode where anybody would come in and present their crazy-ass thoughts to to presidential staffers because way back in the day, there was a giant block of cheese and everybody in the area could come in and have some cheese and talk about things back in the day. Anyways, they did that episode on the West Wing. One of the concepts was all of our maps are wrong and we need a new way to present maps of the world because everything is wrong. And basically, everybody that watched this West Wing episode, their minds were absolutely blown Because maps are totally wrong. Yes. Great episode. I remember it. All right. Well, a more accurate world map has won the prestigious Japanese design award. So this is uh, amazing. This map I love. They would have died to have this one on the west wing. It is absolutely fantastic. And it kind of gives you the reasoning and thought behind the design. And it unpacks it quite literally from a 3D design into uh, pulling it out. And you see how large countries really are compared to each other. And it's unbelievable. I love this stuff. It is called The Authograph,
1: and it is very fucking cool. (laughs) Right? Mm It's awesome. And this is a visual one, so it won't take very long. I put a link in the show notes for Brian because Mm -hmm. he's a library nerd. This is a link to magnificent libraries around the world. There's 26 of them, and they are jaw-droppingly gorgeous. I would love to go hang out for a couple hundred years in all of these.
2: They really are absolutely beautiful. My one complaint about the link that you gave me is... Uh, not enough information like there should just give me a paragraph or two about how this was built what year it was from etc cetera, etc cetera. now i got to go through and google every single one but i love library porn god this stuff is gorgeous
1: are you kidding me loving
2: this is one of the things that just crossed my 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 Feed this week and Your I Instagram my uh, this or, I had insta paper this, uh, this got insta papered immediately because I was like how could this not be uh, just title alone MIT scientists have developed bomb sniffing spinach ah uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I I saw this and I had to go check it out and I was using an approach known as plant nanobionics <laughs> right there I'm in
2: yeah I, well I was just immediately I was thinking of Mad uh, Magazine spy versus spy. Uh, i'm coming with my bomb who would pass i'm just gonna pass this big plant
1: well then then popeye jumps out with his can of spinach and it (laughs) it gets sucked to the bomb and uh. if only i had some sort of olive oil (laughs) oh wrong wrong wrong
2: okay continue uh, I mean, this is just, a, the, yeah, this is unbelievable. So they have plant nanobiotics, embedded carbon nanotubes in spinach that identify the odors specific chemicals commonly found in incendiary devices. So the plant can sense explosives and wirelessly send that information to a handheld device, because apparently they also put Wi-Fi in there.
1: What's the battery life of your spinach?
2: <laughs> this is the Internet of Things. We now have wired up spinach, apparently. Oh, uh, so, as I'm reading this, I'm just thinking, why fucking spinach? What?
1: <laughs> Couldn't you put this in a book? Or, or at least a turnip. People want to eat spinach. Nobody's going to eat a turnip.
2: So, you got to go rutabaga. Uh, beets. Fuck beets. Never touch another man's rhubarb.
0: Comment of the week.
1: We've got a new Patreon subscriber. Woohoo! Wave the flag. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Gilfaria, for joining us on the Patreon.
2: Yes, thank you so much. Uh, if you like the show, please do join us. Uh, send us a buck a month. It really helps. Patreon.com slash GOG podcast. Grubby old geeks.
1: What the hell is it again? <laughs> Something like that. Well,
2: I don't go there. I'm on the show. <laughs> it's at Patreon.com slash GOG there so thank you very much for that uh we also got tweeted uh from moss 6502 uh fyi just in case and this is a link that apparently microsoft is uh paying consumers to switch from apple devices this is when i went apeshit about finally switching over completely to apple's infrastructure only to have microsoft release the bomb ass laptop or not laptop desktop that was delicious it's beautiful yep (laughs) yep so so I'm gonna look into this actually. Uh, if I could actually trade in my laptop at this, my MacBook at this point, and get that Surface uh, Pro, that'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, I heard the the specs on the Surface Pro aren't what uh, we thought they were. They're not that super high end, so mm-hmm. might want okay. to wait till Surface Pro two. We shall uh, see what happens. Okay. Well, I hear <laughs> the little guy yelling in the background. So let's cut to it. Tiger yeah, Shark nine 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 writes on this comes from iTunes by the way, a five star, which we love and recommend. Thank you. I must be old because I like this show. Loving the IoT security updates. Fun way to get recaps of the tech week. Thank you, Tiger Shark 999.
2: Yes, thank you so much. And I apologize for the baby crying, but we are recording late. Uh, We also got another five-star rating from Brian Clancy, Black Grumpy Geek. I'm not entirely sure what that implies, but okay. I think a Black Grumpy Geek. (laughs) Okay, a Black. Okay, Great. I enjoy the podcast. My friend and I always have conversations about what technology is slow feeding us and how the great ideas from TEDx and
1: Kickstarter get slowed by... Wait, great ideas from Kickstarter? (laughs) Well, there are some good ideas every Mm -hmm. now and again. They just can't ship them on time. Okay. Get slowed by
2: corporate greed and the technology buzzwords. Platform, synergy, social media, Mr. Robot. You guys inspire me to get my podcast back on track because you guys let me know it's a market for not being programmed. There you go. Awesome. Thank you, man.
1: Thank yep. you. And drop us an email when it's back up and we'll check it out. And thanks for the review.
2: Yes. And- thanks for all the feedback. Oh, are you going to read these now? Sorry,
1: Jason. Oh, be my guest. Be my guest. Your baby's all crying, right. so you hit, hit the gas. Well, I'm just used to, hit, uh, to hitting
2: this mark and we've changed it. So who knows? Thanks <laughs> for all the feedback. Head over to grumpyoldgeeks.com and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air.
0: Closing shout outs.
1: A couple quick shout outs uh, The Hustle Newsletter. I love this mm-hmm. thing. It's written by three guys in San Francisco, and it's a mix of good tech reporting and humor. Big hat tip to Jordan at the Art of Charm for this one. I read it every day, and it's actually uh, chuckle-tastic. All right.
2: I will sign up for that.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm Jason Filippo. All my info is at about.me
2: slash JPD. And I'm Brian Schulmeister, and you can follow me on Twitter at Slender Fungus, where I occasionally actually tweet.
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. If you'd like to help support the show, please visit patreon.com GOG and sign up. Even as little as a buck a month helps keep us on the air. If you're cheap or broke but still want to support the show, please go to grumpyoldgeeks.com iTunes and leave us a glowing review and five stars. And at the very least, please share the show with your friends. Grumpyoldgeeks.com is where you can listen to shows, leave feedback, ask us questions that we can read on the air, or find links to our awesome sponsors and stuff we like. We have our new subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash gogpodcast. I was a little sick this week, uh, so next week look for a little bit more activity. We're also on Twitter at gogpodcast and on Instagram at grumpyoldgeeks. Please take our super fast user survey at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash survey. It'll take you less than 30 seconds and it helps us know who the hell all of you are. Intro music for the show is provided by the band Among Us. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Music, or get 10 exclusive tracks when you sponsor us on Patreon. Outro music for the show is provided by Andy Stochansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy, and he's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com Andy, where you can listen to this song in its entirety. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com 184.
0: Well? One thought he was invincible, the other thought he could fly. So? They were both wrong. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.